Should I bother with a birth plan? In this episode, I'm sharing all about birth plans, whether you should make one, what a birth plan is, the problems people have with them, the advantages, and some ideas of things to put in your induction birth plan. So get as comfy as you can and enjoy. listening to the Positive Induction Podcast, a podcast for those who have chosen to have an induction of labour, or for those interested in how they can make induction a more positive experience. I'm your host, Jade Gordon, clinical hypnotherapist, hypnobirthing teacher, and induction coach. And as always, I want to remind you, positive birth means different things to different people. It may be feeling in control, being respected, informed. It's a very unique thing. What's important to you is important. Checking in with what you feel will make your birth positive. Of course, I don't mean perfect. My aim here is to bring you tips, inspiration and real life experience. So let's get started. So, should you bother with a birth plan? In summary, Yes. (laughs) Whether you're having an induction or not, I love a birth plan. And I want to explain why in this episode, and also to give you some pointers as to how you can make it really useful for you. So first of all, what is a birth plan? So I'm sure you've heard the term before, but birth plans vary massively from person to person and area to area. For example, where I am in the northeast of Scotland currently, Our pregnancy notes are online and many people fill out a short birth plan in the online version of their notes on their phone, like a few sentences. Other people, of course, create all sorts of longer plans. But when I was first expecting, the first time my midwife and I discussed a birth plan, she thinks she basically wrote a maximum of two sentences. Like I was like, oh, kind of (laughs) underwhelmed. Is that it? Um, And of course, like you can have those kind of quick kind of headline notes. But today I want to encourage you to make a kind of longer form birth plan. And the advantage is actually to me in the creation of the plan rather than the end product itself. I'll get into that more. So, of course, like you can write a separate birth plan. You can have multiple birth plans. Um, You may also have heard the term birth preferences which is really the same thing. It's just for some people, the word plan seems too fixed. I definitely get that. And you can call it whatever you want to call it. The important thing is not what you call it. It's that you create a document that considers the various paths your birth may take. So I generally call it a birth plan, as I said. I like the term birth plan, but I like to think of it as plan A, plan B, plan C, etc., And if you're listening to this, it's likely that you're thinking about or planning an induction. So it is possible to create a plan that considers induction and other scenarios as well. Often people see a plan as like the ideal birth scenario, like plan A, basically, which brings us to the problem with birth plans. One of the reasons people will steer you away from a birth plan is to avoid the problems this can cause. 
when you only create one plan, one ideal scenario plan, and things don't go to plan, you can be left feeling pretty rubbish. I remember even before I was pregnant, a friend telling me, you know, if you ever have kids, the one thing I need you to know is a birth plan is completely pointless. Don't do it. It will make you feel rubbish. It's a waste of time. Just go with the flow, she said. You can't plan something so unpredictable. And yes, birth is unpredictable, as is life. If you were planning a trip somewhere, though, and someone pointed out that there's a chance your train would get delayed or a replacement birth service might be put on, you wouldn't just throw the plan out the window and just turn up hoping a train was running at that precise moment, going where you want to go. Um, You're not just going to go with the flow and just get on a random bus and hope for the best. No, you're going to continue with your plan A, but you're also going to research maybe a plan B or plan C. Oh, what if there isn't a train on that day that goes to this place? Oh, here's a bus or here's a car or maybe we can move the trip to next weekend when there's no whatever, work on the railway, whatever it is, right? So you look at the likelihood of that delay, whether it actually impacts your journey and so on. You don't just say, oh, well, there's a chance this is not going to go perfectly to plan. What's the point? Of course not. We look at kind of contingencies and things like that. I do, however, understand where my friend was coming from. And she really meant, well, she was trying to protect me. It's quite common when people create this kind of rigid birth plan that they feel disappointed, that they didn't get what they wanted, or even annoyed at the time they spent creating what seems like a useless document, or, which comes up quite a lot in hypnotherapy sessions, is that people feel like they've failed. And that's actually a lot more common than you probably realise. That feeling of not having done well enough or having failed at the birth that you had planned Either you failed yourself or the system failed you or what you were taught in antenatal classes. Like you feel like that's failed you because you didn't have this perfect dream birth that you had visualised. And this comes up a lot in my work with people who are, when I'm helping them to process birth trauma, this feeling of failure. And in reality, of course, you absolutely have not failed. The people themselves have not failed. Yes, there can be failure from the system. Yes, some classes, antenatal classes are very kind of single focused as just your plan A, just a visual, like a very fixed idea of what birth should be. But they themselves have not failed and there are of course many other factors involved in birth trauma but this theme of failure comes again and again. And so one thing we can do to decrease that is to see our, like to create a more flexible plan. So to bring it back to birth plans, why are birth plans so important to me? Taking time to consider different scenarios and interventions. So not the fixed plan that I'm talking about a minute ago, but a much more open, like looking at different options plan can actually help you be prepared for changes in plan. We can't have a dress rehearsal for birth, right? We don't get to rehearse it a number of times. We only get to do this one birth once. And Running through those different scenarios and interventions in your head, what's important to you, how you feel about this and how you can take what's important to you and adapt it to this scenario is a great way to help prepare you and to help with that visual rehearsal. So one of the reasons I'm so 
passionate about creating a birth plan is because there's a lot more to gain here than just ticking create birth plan off your to-do list. For me, it's about the process of creating that plan. Like I say, like that mental rehearsal, it's so important. It's not just a mental rehearsal as well. It identifies gaps in your knowledge, things you want to learn more about. So when you sit down and think about your options, you'll likely find some topics you don't know a lot about. And this usually encourages us to do some research, to ask questions, whether it's different pain relief options, positions for birth, or understanding more about options that you really didn't even know were options before. So secondly, it helps you mentally prepare for those what-ifs by thinking through those interventions and other changes in plan rather than burying your head in the sand, you can think about what would be helpful or beneficial to you in those cases. So if there is a change of plan, you're mentally prepared for it. So for example, if you do opt for an epidural, how can you still be in a comfortable position? Can you use a peanut ball in this case? What do you need to do or create or plan or ask to be able to make this possible? Things like if you decide to have a caesarean instead, Do you want to know what's going on step by step? Would you like to be told what's happening? Or would you rather not know? Would you rather be listening to your own music? That kind of thing. And I will go over some examples of things you might want to look into or add to your birth plan at the end. It can be really empowering to look at your options in this way and how you can take the things that are important to you through each scenario. It's also really helpful to talk through your birth plan with your birth partner. They may have been there helping you create the plan or you may have done it yourself or with your doula, but taking time to talk through what's important to you with your partner or partners will also help them be more prepared and better able to support you. So birth plans are empowering in a way for you to take back control of your experience. You just need to make sure that you are doing a plan A, plan B, plan C, etc., so that you are considering all the options. So it's a much more flexible document. So hopefully I've convinced you this is a good idea (laughs) to create a birth plan. So what can you actually include in that plan? So here are some things you may wish to add or find out more about for your birth plan if you're preparing for induction or just in general. So this is a few ideas I have that you can include or not. The idea is to get you thinking about some of the things you can put in here. I'll also put this list in the show notes along with our birth plan template and examples too. If I mention something that you've not heard about before, like this is like that justification that birth plans are important. It's that opportunity to, to learn more. You don't want to be learning about your options while you're in labour. It's much better to learn about them beforehand. So you can add things like, who do you want to be with you in labour? Is it your partner? Maybe you have two partners. Uh, Maybe you have a doula. Who do you want to be there with you? Are you aware of your options in terms of staying in or going home? For example, some of the steps in early induction, you need to stay in hospital to be monitored. Others, you can actually go home. Locally, we use a lot of the cook balloon and people can go home when they have that induction step in overnight assuming them and baby are well and there's no indication for further monitoring being needed. Is there still the opportunity to be in the midwife-led environment? 
even a midwife unit if your labour kicks off after the initial steps. So it's finding out what's available to you locally within that induction protocol. Can you still use a pool if you were previously planning to? If a pool is something you want to be part of your birth and it's looking like induction, asking the question like, when can we use the pool? Can you use the pool if you go through the first steps of induction and things keep kind of continuing without the need for uh, synthetic oxytocin drip? Or are you not able to do that? Some places they have the wireless monitoring that you can use in the pool as well. So it's asking these questions so you know beforehand what may be available to you. Adding in things that are important to you, any history you feel you wish to share here. How can you make your environment more oxytocin friendly? Like boosting your oxytocin, feeling more homely, thinking about those early stages where you might be in a ward with others and then later in labour being in potentially a more clinical environment than you'd originally planned. Thinking about and noting down how you can do things like that. So the birth plan, like these things, like how to make your environment more positive can be useful indications for your birth partner, useful reminders of things your birth partner can do to help make that more homely. It can be um, the early stages. You can also say what you want at home or what you want before you go in for your induction, finding time when you are like having that nice homely oxytocin boosting environment doing something to kind of get you in that mood, feeling calm, feeling like resourceful before you actually go into your induction. I also had things in my birth plan that my I wanted my birth partner to do because when you're in labour or when you're about to go in to have an induction, you don't want your head to be thinking, oh, I've got to do this and I'm going to do that and make sure this is done. I had things in my birth plan like remember to feed the cats, set the automatic cat feeder up and things like that because I wanted to be able to completely surrender and focus on birth and so I kind of took as much as I can out of my head and put it in my birth plan for myself and for my partner to, you know, to give me peace of mind that he would remember to do those things and I wouldn't need to be the person to remember. So if you're using hypnobirthing and anything related to that that's important to you, you may wish to mention that here. Um, Whether you want to be offered pain relief or if you don't want it mentioned unless you actually ask for it. Your feelings on vaginal examinations. Remember that these should always be done with consent. But you may wish to know about your progress or you may wish to have limited examinations and not know how dilated you are. It's kind of a personal choice. And you can always change your mind in the moment. But have a think about whether it would be motivating for you to know or whether you would much rather be kind of in the zone and not kind of thinking about the numbers. Whether you want support in the in the pushing phrase with encouragement or you'd rather be like having this as a nice quiet time where you can focus on your body and baby. Considering as well that it may depend on whether you have an epidural as well, whether you needs that kind of support to tell when you're having those surges or contractions. So your feelings on assisted birth, the use of ventus or forceps, thinking about what is important to you in this scenario. Then the time after baby's born, so optimal cord clamping, discovering baby's sex yourself, vitamin K for baby, whether you want to have that or not, whether you're choosing injection or drops. These kind of decision-making steps are the ones that we need to make sure we're doing when we have time to research and make choices. Um, 
not necessarily discovering baby six. That's just, you can decide at any point. But in terms of like the vitamin K or um, anything similar to that, where there is research and a personal choice needed. So birthing the placenta, what you wish to do with the placenta, if anything, you can put these in your birth plan. You may also want to add things like your plans for feeding baby. I also very much recommend that you write your thoughts on caesarean birth and what would be important to you in this scenario. I think it's so important to consider like the different options we have available to us because then in the moment, if that becomes part of our plan, as I say, we're empowered, we're prepared mentally and we can kind of go through this process of visualising this positive version of a new birth, a different birth than we'd originally planned and then in the moment you can kind of switch into that mindset. So things like um, if you opt for um, a planned cesarean as well, it's really worth having a conversation with your midwife or your doctor about what's available locally in terms of your choices. Um, if you're having a cesarean generally, things like if you want music to be played, if you want to know step by step what's happening and things like that, having a think about what's important to you in this case. So that's just some ideas. There's no right and wrong of what you put in your plan. I think it's really just important to think about your preferences, what's important to you and how you can draw that through the different parts of your birth, through the different paths that your birth may take. So thanks for being here with me today. Here are a couple of points I want you to take away with you from today. So firstly, a birth plan is a good idea. Hopefully I've managed to convey that to you today. But do remember to consider the different options and interventions so you're as prepared as you can be. And remember, you can download our birth plan template, which has spaces for all the different options in there. Secondly, use it as motivation to research the different areas. It's much better to learn about your options before you're actually in labour. Ask all the questions, whether you're asking in our Positive Induction Facebook group or you're asking your midwife or you're reading birth stories, taking up that information, learning about your options and where you can, you know, make this your own birth, like really owning that birth experience. Finally, talk through your birth plan with your birth partner or partners so they know what's important to you. It'll enable them to support you as best they can. Thanks for listening. Head over to the show notes for this episode at positiveinduction.com forward slash episode 14, where you'll find links to additional resources, our birth plan template, and of course, the Positive Induction course, a hypnobirthing course specially created for induction. Thanks again for being here with me today. And do get in touch if you have any questions. You can email me, jade at positiveinduction.com or find me on Instagram at positiveinduction. I hope you have a lovely week. <music>